0: You know, every week, God's doing more and more. Every week, people are getting hungrier and hungrier. Every week, people are getting more thirsty for the things of the kingdom. You can feel it in the room. I can feel it right now, I can feel it when I minister because when a pastor steps onto a pulpit, any atmosphere it doesn't matter where it's at, people either draw it out of you or push it back into you I felt it i've i have I've preached enough sermons where I got up and spoke and they wanted to shove it back in my mouth and then they're like, and then you you get the privilege that God starts doing something and setting people's hearts on fire and they start pulling it out of you, and you begin to see the effect that um that happened to Jesus with the lady with the issue of blood when he was in a crowded room or crowded wherever outside and somebody with enough hunger and passion grabbed a hold of him and he said, Who touched me? What would happen if a group of 150 people, if a group of two hundred people, if a group of a thousand people would begin to take that hunger and grab the feet of God? And say, I want everything you got. All of a sudden, neighborhoods would begin to get changed. Communities would begin to get changed. Your workplace would change. Everything would begin to shift. Because hunger is powerful. Hunger is so powerful. Matter of fact, that's really what I'm talking about this morning is hunger. I have been on a a wild journey, and I'm going to try my best to get you through it quickly. I, and just to clarify, whenever I try to go quickly, it's not so church will end quickly. It's so that we can get to ministry time sooner. Uh, if you need to leave at any point during ministry time, you are always blessed to go wherever you need to go. But when we get to that point in the service, I want us to have lots of time. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, yeah. some of you are like, what have I come to this morning? Um, if this is your first time in like a spirit-filled environment, that's wonderful, um, Because, (laughs) Jesus hated religion as much as I do. People all the time, when you talk to people about, when you talk to people about uh, your walk with the Lord, you know, you're witnessing to somebody or whatnot, and you begin to talk to them, so often the first thing they say is, well, I, I don't like, I don't want any religion. And my response is always, great, neither do I. Neither did Jesus. He hated it. He hated it. He said, I just want relationship. It was the religious ones that constantly pointed at him and said, you're going to go eat with them? Jesus said, yeah. I'll even wash their feet. People that are afraid to wash feet scare me. Because Jesus was the ultimate example. And he said that, Remember when one of the disciples said, there's no way, there's no way you're washing my feet. Jesus took it so strongly that it had to happen. He said, either I wash your feet or you're out. That's strong. He said, either I wash your feet. Hear me right. I'm not talking about what we're used to in many Western cultures where the leaders are saying either you wash my feet or you're out. The leadership said, either I wash your feet or you're out. From my leadership team. He caught on pretty quickly. He, he said, Go ahead. You can wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, You're not getting it still. Not washing your whole body. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> I love those people. If the light bulb clicks on, just give me a bath. You know, no, no, no. That's awkward. But he did, here's the thing, here's the thing, you guys have to understand, their feet were not like our feet, their feet were filthy, washing feet in that day and age was the lowest position someone could steep to with another person, because their feet were covered in nastiness, it was the lowest, one of the lowest positions that he could have went down to, and he said, that's where I, I, this is my model I want to show you. who's hungry enough for me that you'll let me do that. I've grown up in the church. I'm a church kid. I've been to really big conferences. I've been to really little conferences. I've hosted conferences. I've been to all of them. I've heard a lot of preachers. I've got to meet a lot of preachers. I've met evangelists. I've met prophets. I've met apostles. I've met them in green rooms. I've met them on the stage. But what the world is hungry for right now is not another power-hungry person the world is hungry for leaders in churches that just want to advance the kingdom, love people, and show them who they are in the Lord, and do it some more. And that's what they want. That's what I want. I, I remember when my dad, my, I remember when uh, the church was going through transition, for all of you that are new, I'm second generation, actually, to pastor here, but we say it's new because it really is a new thing the Lord's doing. We honor what the Lord's done. I grew up here, um, but it literally was a new thing. It was like, you know, you have new chapters in life, but then you have a whole new book. It was like one book got closed, and God said, okay, it's a sequel, but it's a new book. Yeah. It's not it's not the same plot anymore. It's a new plot, yeah. but it's a sequel. And um, when, I, when, I, when my dad asked... Uh, the conversation just began to come up. We knew he was going to be stepping down. He asked, uh, he asked us. <laughs> I think he asked Tiffany, my wife's a lot more than me sometimes. Um, and he's like, "How do you, you know, how do you feel about pastoring?" And she's basically was like, "I don't want to." I was like, "You could have said that nicer, honey," <laughs> you know. <laughs> but what we were getting at is that we had no desire to pastor in a model that's been happening so long because, how do I say this right? I don't want to sound like we know what we're doing better than everyone else. But from what we've experienced, we were so tired of what we've seen of pastors getting burnout, pastor suicides, the number is scary. Pastor uh, divorces, all of that, it's scary, the numbers. People that get burnout, people that get hurt. And Tiffany was saying, I don't want anything. I don't want to do that. But it didn't mean that we didn't want to advance the kingdom. It just meant there has to be a better way. And so I did something that was different. I kept tr- <laughs> I kept trying to find people that knew what they were doing to help me. And the Lord kept shutting it down. <laughs> I'd find a person and be like, yeah, they're going to help me. No. Find someone else. And it was no, no, nothing bad against any of the people. It just wasn't what God wanted. And. I kept finding people that I thought knew what they were doing, and God began to speak to me and said, the last thing you need is to be filled with a group of leaders that you have to retrain and get rid of all the old new. He said, what I'm doing is going to be completely new. So I did a really wild thing. I got a bunch of, for the most part, young leaders. I bet 95%, if not more, maybe 100% of the leadership team in this church was never in ministry before. I brought them on my team for the most part. But what it did was, it's a group of people that say, I i don't know what this looks like, but let's get it. Amen. And what I'm saying to you as a house this morning is what God's doing is something that I don't think we've seen before. But I'm in. Somebody came up to me in worship, Mary, uh, came up to me and... Um, So the Lord, just wants to ask you a question. Are you ready to clear your calendar for what He wants to do next year? Everybody says that wasn't your calendar. Now show you. No, No, she asked. No, she asked me that, and um, I would want nothing more than to clear my calendar for what He wants to do. I'm going to do what I have been doing quite a bit the past few weeks and kind of talk with you. i got a couple scriptures that I want to read to you, and, but I just want to share with where we're at here. The first one I'll just tell you. You don't have to flip there because it's one short little verse. But in Zechariah 10.1, it says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of latter rain. What's that mean? Ask the Lord for rain while it's raining. Say it again. Ask the Lord for rain while it's raining. Some of you are like, I don't understand. Where churches plateau off, it begins to, this is spiritual terminology, it begins to spiritually, it's raining down his presence is what we would call it. It's just spiritually, it's rain. A lot of people, we get in there and we're, you know, we're having fun. You know, I'm seeing a picture. I'm singing in the rain. That's what I'm seeing in my head. My <laughs> wife is rubbing off on me. Um, <laughs> all her movies are getting me. <laughs> I see that. That's a beautiful picture, but at the same time, while you're singing in the rain, ask for more rain. Not just, wow, it's fun. Ask for more rain. I want to talk to you just a few minutes about being hungry. I've hit this topic before. I've never preached this message before, but I do want to talk to you about being hungry because typically um, what has happened in a lot of the movement that we're in right now is that it's very easy to say we've began to figure out our identity in the Lord, which is just so huge. We're beginning to learn I am a child of God. He does actually love me. He's not dangling me over hell with a, rock, with a stick. He's actually good. I mean, we actually, he's actually good. We're getting this. We're starting to get this. I'm not saying we figured it all out, but we're getting it. But what happens is, is we have went from this side of, we scare everybody into heaven. The problem is, is if fear is your, your motivator, you have to fear him into everything. got If you had to fear him in an altar call, you're going to have to fear him into discipleship. And if fears your motivator, you're stuck with it until people begin to understand that God is good, God loves you. And so what happened is, is we've went from over here where we were uh, singing lots of songs about being desperate for the Lord you know, to flip-flopping all the way over here. It's like I get who I am. I don't have to be desperate. If he's a good father, he's going to actually take care of me. That is good. The problem is, is that many of us have said he's so good. We don't even have to be hungry and passionate for him because he's just gonna take care of us. And what happens is hunger is healthy. Usually the people that aren't hungry are sick. A lot of us have been going through this sickness lately. I don't know if, th- I pray you haven't got it. I'm convinced I'm gonna start anointing people with hand sanitizer to make sure I don't catch anything else because like I think I caught it last Sunday when I hugged somebody. And if I just yeah <laughs> but the thing is is this hung people that are sick usually the first thing you lose is your hunger. Being without hunger is not a sign of being full. It's typically a song a sign of being unhealthy. And hunger is actually something that is extremely vital in our walk with the Lord. But here's the thing about hunger. In the natural world, usually when you're hungry, you eat, you feel better. But in the kingdom, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. I want to read you, I want to read you a passage here. It's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you have your Bibles. And let me just say this while you're flipping there. God is raising up this amazing young generation that's getting this. And I don't want to ever say that you think if you're not a part of a younger generation, you're missing out. It's crazy. But how great would it have been for those of you that are not in your 20s to have learned all this in your 20s? And this group right here, you guys, uh, um, you second rowers, when you, guys, when you guys came up there and sat there, like the moment you sat there, the Lord was just speaking to me saying that, that there's a group that's coming forward, that it's this age group, and you're going to get it. And you guys, I'm telling you, they're going to fill the church. I, pro- I promise you. And there's going to be our job as a house is to... Um, I'm going to say this carefully because our job, many of you, is to be spiritual fathers and mothers. But spiritual fathers and mothers clean up messes and empower. A lot of people that want to be spiritual father and mother actually want it so they can feel good. And that's a dangerous place to live because you hurt yourself and you hurt them. But I, I just, we're with you guys. Uh, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, it says this. It's the weirdest scripture ever. So he humbled you. Allowed you to hunger and fed you manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you excuse me, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I'm gonna read that again. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. Everybody say allowed you to hunger. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds by the mouth of the Lord. I just want to sit on this because that's really what I want to land on today. This is the most weird scripture because here's what it means. If you know what the word manna means, the word manna actually means what is it? Makes that scripture even more confusing. you're like, don't know, do know, don't know, what is it? That you would know. That feels like my life sometimes. (laughs) It's like, I, I, (laughs) he said, he allowed you to hunger so that he could feed you with what is it, (laughs) which you did not know. And your fathers didn't know either. I'm glad he's making it clear. That you would know that you don't live by bread alone by giving you what is it. Often, when God is moving, He does it in a mystery, and our ability to embrace the mystery actually demonstrates our hunger. So many times, when God is moving, what He does is a mystery. The interesting thing about this passage is that God isn't saying he doesn't want them to understand anything. He wasn't saying, I don't want you to get it. That wasn't where he was going with it. He was trying to say to them that if you'll actually embrace the mystery in what I'm doing, I'll actually bring you into an amazing understanding of who I am. He said, if, he said, you got this manna, what is it? You don't get it. Your fathers don't even get it. But if you'll accept it, he said that what I want to do is that then you're going to learn about the bread of life. If you can accept what I'm doing, even when you don't understand it, I'll actually bring you into this greater revelation of who I am. You're getting it. I'm going to keep drilling it until we grab onto it. I know. Um, God is more interested in you knowing his character than his works. God is more interested in you knowing his heart than what he's doing. He's going to do it. Where, where people get so hung up is, the, is when they start getting heady and saying, "Well, well, well show me a verse for that. I have a scripture for everything. It's in Psalms that said God sits in heaven and does whatever he wants. (laughs) Everything's covered. Now, now we'll say he won't go contrary to his word. Some people are like, well, you go crazy with that. Well, he won't go against his word. But the idea that he'll never be able to operate outside of it is arrogant of us to think that we can contain everything in a powerful book, but it can't contain the one that breathed it. And he said, he said, I want to teach you guys something, but here's the thing. You're not going to get it. Are you willing to embrace what you don't understand, how I'm working right now, how I'm moving right now, so that I can actually begin to teach you more about my ways and who I am? He was saying that you have to be okay with God doing things that at times makes no sense. Because if you'll trust him in the mystery, you'll gain access to the real secrets of his heart. I had a dream. The Lord, I've been having dreams that I feel like they're like five years in advance, and they're all starting to make sense, which is great. Because I've had two different dreams that have been for me, I've been chewing on, just kind of hanging on to, and one of them was I was in the house that I lived in a couple of years ago, and when I was in that house, I, in this dream, I had this fence behind my house, and in the dream I went out in my backyard, and my fence was gone. I was like, "Who stole my fence?" <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, how do you take a fence? And, and I remember, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy, easy. <laughs> so my fence is gone. You know what it's like for people trying to listen to this podcast? People, <laughs> have some mercy on the podcasters that aren't in the room. So I go out, and there, it's not there, and I remember I think, where's my fence? And the Lord says to me, he says, John, he says, I'm getting ready to remove the fence, and the things that have been hidden are no longer going to be hidden, and I want to begin to reveal secrets, and he dropped the fence down. He said, those hidden things, those those con, those concealed things, I want to begin to reveal them to you. That was the first dream I had. The second dream I had I shared in prayer this morning was that I was out at a pool, and I was uh, at this community pool, um, and I was... There, and there was uh, a lady named Jen Johnson, most of you know for worship. She's an awesome worship leader. And she was there, and she says, John, I dropped my purse in the pool. She's like, will you get it? I'm like, sure, why not? So I, I jump in, and I swim. Now it's a dream, right? This pool is like 500 feet deep in my dream. It's just like going down and down and down and down. And I get down there. And the whole bottom of the pool is covered in jewels that nobody knew about because nobody would go to the bottom. And so I start, you know me, I'm like sticking them in my trunks. I'm like holding on to them. And I come up. This is the truth, I promise you. I come up and I'm like loading jewels onto the ground. And everyone starts coming around like, where'd you get those? I'm like, they're all in the bottom. Nobody would go down there. God is calling us to go to the bottom. Deep in him, where there are things that are hidden that you think you've thought for so long it'd be so hard to get them, but they're waiting there. Someone just has to actually go down there. It's waiting there. And sometimes part of the journey of getting to the bottom is saying, I don't understand everything. I don't get it. I I don't get it why I could pray for a person on this side of the room and they get healed and I pray for a person on that side and they don't. I don't get it. Some people, that hangs them up. And you begin to see everything through the filter of what didn't happen. We, we began to have this filter of, well, I prayed, and it didn't happen. When, if we could just embrace saying, I don't get it, but I'll pray again next week at this, at this altar, And I'll pray again tomorrow. I've said this for years now through circumstances with people in this church that have been through sickness and disease. I have one option. I have to believe for healing. I will respect what you ask of me. Some people don't want to be prayed for. And I won't push myself. But I will believe for healing. I got to keep moving. Are we okay with mysteries? I preached a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pump a point that I made a few weeks back because I know a number of you weren't here. I preached a message a few weeks back and I talked about hunger. And there was a scripture that the Lord highlighted for me that I'd never seen before. And here it is, it says this, Proverbs chapter 27, verse seven says, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb but to hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. (laughs) I'm gonna read that a couple of times. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. What's that saying? To the people that aren't hungry, you have very sometimes high preferences. To the hungry person, I can deal with the bitterness because I'm that hungry. So the hungry person, the hungry person says, um, they say, yeah, there's there's some weird stuff that happens sometimes, but I'm that hungry for the advancing of the kingdom that I can deal with the bitter because I'm so hungry for God. (sighs) Religion keeps you full, but passion keeps you hungry. Religion will always make you feel full, but passion keeps you hungry after the things of the Lord. And the thing is, is that there's, there's no move of God. There's no outpouring that doesn't come without bitter things. If, yeah, if there's people, there's stuff. You can't, come on, y'all, it's the holidays. Even in your family, okay, when you sit around the table in your house, you still have things. It's, it's like, man, how did that one family member end up in my family? <laughs> You know, it's like you have these things that come up that, you know what, though? I'm family. It doesn't bother me because I love you so much. Everybody has that. They have that. And when we can get to the point where we begin to understand Proverbs that he says, you know what? To those that are full, yeah, you don't want the bitter things. But then you've got people over here that are saying, you know what? I'm hungry. Some of us, our issue, honestly, is that we're not hungry. It's not that you work too much, it's not all these other things. Those are the after effects of you not being hungry. Some people oh, I got work, I got job, I got family, got all this kind of stuff just takes up all my time. Of course it does. Are you hungry though? I've met people when they're so hungry they make ways to make time to advance the kingdom but we begin to lose hunger and we begin to fill it with other things. We begin to fill it with junk food. And there's no move of God that does; it comes without the bitter. But the question is, are we hungry to get past it? What's the point? Someone who walks through these doors that is hungry has a completely different perspective on what happens in this room than someone who walks through those doors that's not hungry. I watch it. I watch people come in, wait five minutes, and go back out the door because they're. they're, And then I I watch people. I watch people that are hungry. It weirds them out, but they're like, "I'll hang around here because I feel loved. I feel something in this room. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I feel it. You see that hunger begins to get you past preferences, and it begins to get you to the point where I can deal with the bitter. We have to understand this. God never intended us for us to be desperate. But he always intended it for us to be hungry. So how do we stay in a place of hunger? Cuz the kingdom of God is different. How do we stay in a place of hunger? You ever been watching TV, or or it happens to me sometimes, and a commercial will come on something that looks really good, or a recipe, or a cooking show, and you weren't even hungry, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that looks good. Come on, y'all. Especially when you're always, when you're fasting, (laughs) all of the good stuff comes, everything looks good when you're fasting. I'm convinced, though, everybody has food sales when you're fasting. And you're in you weren't even thinking about it. Just watching TV, watching a football game. And all of a sudden, this this commercial comes on and you see that food, and let's say it's barbecue. And and this commercial for this barbecue comes on, and it's like, ooh, that looks good. And come on, y'all. And you're like for the vegetarians, they got beans and macaroni and cheese and all that too. And so you're like, man, that looks good. And all of a sudden, you you begin to like. I'm gonna go get some, this is me, I'm gonna gonna go get some barbecue. Tiffany's like, we just ate, you know? And all of a sudden, you begin to be hungry. What's the point? In our walk with the Lord, that's what the testimony does. That's when we begin to remember things that God did for us. We begin to replay them in our mind, and we begin to say, you know what, five minutes ago, I wasn't even thinking about the presence of God, but all of a sudden, I remembered when that person was crying right there, and they came in the room, and they literally were about to kill themselves. And they said, I don't know what I felt, but something grabbed me and I felt love for the first time. And all of a sudden, you get hungry. You get hungry for something more. And so much of it is just remembering what God has done. Remembering intentionally. I know people that set alarms on their phones to literally stop at certain increments of every day and pray, remember, praise it, whatever it might be. They're that intentional. What would happen if every day for a week you set your alarm for once an hour during the day and and it goes off and, you know, it beeps and it says, remember what God has done in your life or someone else's? You'd be living spiritually hungry for him. We have to stay hungry. We have to stir up our hunger. You get hungry by eating. Makes no sense to our natural minds but you get hungry by eating the more you the more that you sit down the more you remember the more you read your bible the more you spend time with him the more you worship you're eating 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 and your appetite is growing 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 and then when you walk around people all of a sudden you are hearing him so clearly because you're in a place of hunger One of the things that the Lord has been revealing to us is learning a lot about the new covenant and learning about, the Bible says, it's a better covenant. Many of you are in Welton Academy. That's known primarily for better covenant, new covenant theology, which is why I even bring it up. I'm very good friends with Jonathan But one of the things that I find people have to balance is to learn how to live in a better covenant, but at the same time, stay hungry. I I honestly believe that one of the most challenging places that we're going to have to learn to operate from as a body is to learn how to be full and to learn how to be hungry at the same time. Because in the midst of God revealing everything that we carry, He begins to speak to us, and we begin. To, we're learning about this new covenant. We're learning about all these things that we've never known. I carry that. Wait a minute. Open up, O you gates. Wait a minute. That's me. Yeah. Lift up your heads, O you gates. That that's us. I carry that. I release that. Wait a minute. I actually carry heaven, and I can release it to the person next to me. I actually have answers that they're praying for. Yeah. Yeah. And we're beginning to learn about walking in this new and in this better covenant. But the thing is, is that we have to learn to walk in a place of confidence, yet stay in a place of dependency. Yeah. This is where things get interesting. We have to walk in confidence, but live in also in dependency on him. The ability to stay away from desperation, but to stay passionate. Walking in revelation, but embracing mystery. See, these are the things that, that this is the real deal that we, we deal with. Knowing who we are in Christ, but recognizing that we still need him. Salvation's an interesting topic. I'm not gonna jump into it, but the Bible talks about three types of salvation. Said so that you are saved, you're being saved, and when he comes, it's the fullness of your Salvation. living in a place of abundance but still recognizing our need living from favor but still operating in humility see this is where this is where this is where we become really effective or ineffective 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 in the kingdom is that we can lean one whole way and we begin to lose elements that are so important for our walk in the lord yes i'm highly favored Yes. But yes, I'm still humble. Are you with me? Here's the thing. The Lord has made promises to us. You're, that's what this is filled with, is promises. Promises to bless us. Promises to make us Prosperous. I, act, I know some of you might get funny about it, but I actually believe he wants us to prosper in our finances too. <laughs> I think that the people in the kingdom of God should be the ones that demonstrate wealth well. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to preach if you don't have money, you're not living for the Lord, or you've done something wrong. I'm saying that I believe God actually wants us to prosper financially. The reason that most people are scared of it is because that the church so easily gets jealous. And I've met many wealthy people that they hide everything because they don't want anyone else to know because they'll get jealous. I believe there needs to be wisdom in how we operate in our finances, but at the same time, we need to be able to celebrate what God's doing in someone else. And God has called us to live from a place where we are financially prospering. But here's the deal and I thought about this in preparing this morning, it was this, how much is too much? Now hold on before you start getting weird with me. Because I believe that the line that we draw that decides what is too much is the moment that it takes our trust in him away. I believe that the moment that we have so much that we begin to step out of our dependency on him at that moment, it's become unhealthy. It's not a dollar amount. It's not. It could That amount could be $100 for one person and a million dollars for another. And we're talking numbers, but it doesn't matter. It's how can we walk in the favor God wants to pour on us, humbly, yet depend on him. I love talking about money because it gets so awkward in the room. I think this is important that we understand this because I think he wants us to be able to demonstrate good stewardship with our finances. I grew up that way. My dad planted that one in me. That and changed the oil in my car. I heard this so much but i believe the lord wants us to steward our finances well but i do believe that the line that could be drawn that could say when it becomes more than what we can handle is when we stop depending on the one who gave it to us and then it's become a problem king david made this remark in psalms 40 verse 17 he said i'm a poor man so i am a man so poor and needy When he wrote that, he was probably the richest man on the face of the earth. He said, I'm a poor man, so needy. Because David understood that he operated from a place of dependency on God. David knew the importance of hunger. He knew the importance of staying hungry. Anything he wanted, he could buy himself at this point. He had the money for it. But he knew that he needed to remain in a place of dependency upon God and stay hungry. Let me try to bring, kind of wrap this up and and finish up. Hunger basically says, I don't know it all. For us to say, I'm hungry, means I don't know it all. Hunger says there's more. Hunger says that I can deal with the bitterness if I know that I get to experience more of him. Hunger says, I may not like that song they sing in church. But I feel the presence of the Lord. I mean, honestly, guys. Hunger, hunger, hunger gets through that stuff. Hunger says that I'm more interested in his pref- hunger says that I'm more interested in his presence than in my preference. I, you have to get that hunger comes in and says I am more interested in his presence than in my preferences. I, I you know, I, I had a great talk. I don't know if you still hear Victor that was took up the offering here, we had to talk about all that. and um, Just his heart, just sharing with me, said, I just want to be where the presence is. He yeah. so it's, it's like all I want. I just want to be where the presence is. What I'm doing, I don't really care. Yeah. I just want to be where the presence is. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, some days I would be perfectly fine just to be 100% honest with all of you of sitting in the back of this room and just being in the presence because it's so Beautiful. You feel it in the room. You feel the hearts connected. You feel the worship start. You feel lift off, you know? And it's like, I just want to be in it. Because what you were created for was for that. And then all of a sudden, you begin to connect. Here's the point. I really believe that the Lord is releasing hunger into the earth right now. I can't speak for every church, but I can speak for this one. He's releasing it into this body. And I can speak for a number of friends' churches, and he's doing it in theirs, too. I meet people all the time, and what I love is that the reason they're here is not You know how much pressure is off me that you're not here for me? (laughs) I mean, seriously. I would not want the pressure that pastors carry that have built the church around themselves. Because they carry so much weight that if you were to take them out of the mix, it would collapse. And that's not fair. I don't want that weight. And I I love that what's being built is built around what God is doing. And everybody I talk to, I love to ask people, how'd you find us, why are you here, whatever. And it's always like, I, I hear over and over, we just love the hunger we feel in the room. We just love what we feel. I don't think, I mean, honestly, that's perfect. But here's, here's, here's the big question. And this is what I kind of woke up to today. Are we hungry to go beyond not to leave believing, but are we hungry enough to go beyond just believing for something and step into preparing for it? I'm going to finish on a dream I told a few weeks ago, and then I'm going to give you a challenge, and then we'll let, just do some ministry time. I told many of you this, but a few weeks ago, I had a dream, and I was was with our church. God speaks to me a lot in dreams. I believe in dreams 100%. I think that dreams sometimes are honestly the best way to get us out of the way and him to speak to us is in dreams. And for me, I get a lot of direction through my dreams. I have seasons where I honestly, it stops, and then seasons where it blows the roof off. And usually when the dreams kick up, we're stepping into a really new thing. Your Bible is filled with dreams, important dreams. The house of God came through a dream. The Jacob's ladder, this encounter in the night that he had. And I had a dream a few, uh, about a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago, where I was with our church and we were in this uh, this big uh, concrete area where it's concrete floor, concrete walls, and we were just hanging out and you know just chit chatting. And um, all of a sudden, I looked around in this dream and I and I looked. And I, and I turn around, and I see there's a massive dam. And it clicks that we're in this huge waterway. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's like this massive concrete walls where if they open the dam, the water flows through it. Yeah. I recognize this, and all of a sudden it goes from, woo to like, uh-oh. And I remember, I remember it's like everybody figured it out at the same time. It was like... Uh Uh-oh. And then I thought, if this thing opens, we're goners. (laughs) Next thing I know, somebody in my dream, we began to get concerned, and someone was climbing up one of the walls trying to get out, and um, I remember I knew they were gonna fall. I'm like, they're gonna fall and get killed. And so uh, someone in the church, Eric, went over there and he kind of waited, and that person fell, and he, he was able to catch them, save their life, and next thing you know, you hear this, 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 mm, mm, mm. and everybody's like, uh-oh. And and the floodgates, so, I mean, they open, and they're, it's massive. And this water comes, and it takes everybody there. And the next thing you know, you're underwater. I can breathe underwater. I can see underwater. And I'm looking around, and I see people in the church getting like, tumbled and rolled. And, and now they're having fun. It's like, ooh. It's like a ride at carowinds they're just getting thrown around and I remember looking around and I'm like seeing people I couldn't couldn't talk but I could breathe and I could see and I could look and I see that person getting rolled around and that person getting rolled around they're all just getting thrown around and all of a sudden it's like gone from a scary thing to a thrill and I'm like this is fun and so we're going and we're getting carried away and I begin to surface and when I come up And I begin to surface, I get to the top of the water, and when I get there, there's camera crews and news stations waiting to talk to us to find out what it was like. Then I woke up. I sent my dream to some uh, folks that are really good at dream interpretation, and I wanted their opinion. I'd heard, I really, most of it was pretty obvious what was being said, but there was a couple things I was not sure about, like the person that tried to climb out and fell. And basically, they shared with me, they said, some people... Are going to be nervous about what God's gonna do but it's okay just be there to catch them so we had this dream I shared it a couple weeks ago it's exciting and then a week or two goes by and, and you know for me I constantly see it in my head actually it's the only time I've ever had this with a dream And Rachel Belter up here, we have a leadership team page, and she put this remark on there that has stuck with me. She said, you know, I don't want to just dream about an outpouring. I want to prepare for an outpouring. And she said, even if it literally means taking the first step by bringing a sandwich for my kids when church goes crazy long and being ready, I'm going to begin making steps. Got your sandwiches? (laughs) Church goes long enough, that'll auction off really high. (laughs) Just hang in there. Just hang in there. (laughs) Some of you are like, oh, I didn't bring a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) She said that, and it started a whole thread with the leadership team of what ifs, preparing. What if 500 people show up? What will you do? How are you preparing for an outpouring? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God spoke to me, he said, John, he said, it's time to go beyond just dreaming about it. It's even time to go beyond just believing in it, and it's time to begin preparing for it. Yeah. Because at some point, hunger has to go beyond just thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner, it's yeah. actually setting the table for dinner. Yeah. And God is saying, okay. Time to set the table. It's time to set the table. Our ability to maintain and steward whatever he's doing is determined by if we stay hungry. I'm going to read off thing, this to you, and this is the last page I have, so I want to share this with you. I saw us preparing, and I looked up something by my friend Jonathan and put an article out actually back in May, that I had never read before about spiritual hunger. And he gave a list of seven things that you can do personally and four things that you can do together to keep stirring up hunger. I will put them out there online and I'll try to email them out and give them to you. We'll even, so many of you may not have a pen, but I'm gonna give them to you right now. There's seven things that we can do in our personal life to maintain being hungry. One of them, every day, is to Pray. The second one is to speak in tongues. The third one is to fast. You don't have to do that every day, but it does need to be fasting. If, if you want to, it'll keep you hungry. Um, the, fourth, the fourth one is worship. I'm talking personally, privately, you and Jesus. The fifth one is read your Bible. The sixth one is study. Study the word. Not just, not just that devotion time, but study it. And the seventh one I think is extremely important. Meditate on personal prophecies. If you haven't written down the words the Lord's given you, it's a good time to try to write some of them down. And if, those seven things, if we could begin for the most part to do it every day, Look at a prophetic word. I'm telling you, it will change everything. And four things that we could do corporately. One, we're already doing it. Worship. And I mean worship. I'm giving you permission to go for it. Don't hold back. Two, encourage each other. 3 give affection i know the religion and people's like whoa what do you mean by that yeah actually love people i mean not just like i love you but i'm not going to show it we've seen enough kids that have grown up with without a parent's affection that they knew they loved them but they never got affection so they tried to find it elsewhere we can't do that in the church and the fourth one is Equip, get equipped, equip people. I'm sure you could add on more to that. I believe if we do that, I think it's going to change everything. Question is, are we hungry? are we willing to clear off our calendar for what God has? Not just to fill it up with man's events, but what God has. Stand up. I'm just curious how many of this is resonating with your spirit. Good, I'm not alone. (laughs) We had a gentleman come in here at our family conference. One of my buddies, his name's Ivan Roman. He's a prophet. He's very accurate. And he was up here praying, and he said, he just said this. I'll never forget it, because it was really quick. He just said, said, I see an outpouring. He said, I literally see it here. It When he said that, it was like like a good grabbed me, like it hasn't let go of me yet. I don't want to be the people that have buckets full of prophetic words. But then what? I want to be people that when we get a word from the Lord, we steward it. And we say, I'm fighting for that. I'm fighting from that. And I believe that he wants to do something great. Mm -hmm. But it's going to come through the gates. (laughs) Because this is a church, you're the gate. (laughs) So Holy Spirit... Holy Spirit, just stir it up in us right now. Stir it up in us right now.